Hello, folks. This is Michelle Earhart here on this lovely October 14th with another edition of the Tom's Hardware Show. Today, we're going to be talking about the new AMD Radeon RX 6600 GPU. Without further ado, let's roll the thing. So hello, once again, I am your host, Michelle Earhart, back with another edition of the Tom's Hardware Show. You can catch us every Thursday at 3 p.m. talking about the latest tech news and products. I am a staff writer for Tom's Hardware, and joining me is our editor, Jared Walton, and he's also our resident GPU expert. Jared, what have you been up to lately? Just playing games all the time. Actually, I have been playing a lot of games in the past two weeks uh like we i did the uh far cry 6 performance analysis and then that actually i i used a bit more time on that than i was expecting and got behind the eight ball and ended up pulling an all-nighter to get the rx 6600 review all done and uh and now i'm playing back for blood uh, testing back for blood really, um, to, to do some performance on that, which it's really interesting because I, I think there's a couple other games that do this now, but it, it includes support for DLSS as well as Fidelity FX super resolution. Um, and so you can kind of flip between those and see what it looks like and, and, you know, kind of interesting. So, um, I would say image quality per, still. DLSS quality mode still wins there, but in motion, yeah, it's uh, like anyone who thinks they can really tell the difference between the two, like FSR ultra quality and DLS DLSS ultra or quality, sorry, um, while you're playing a, a shooter game like like Back for Blood, I'm just like, yeah, I I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> so. So we, uh, as you might have seen from the title of the video, we are here to discuss the uh, new AMD Radeon RX 6600 GPU. Um, but you've definitely been working on on other stuff, so I'm curious to see how you bring that that games knowledge uh, to this uh, discussion later on. But uh, Jerry, do you want to talk us, tell us about this card a little bit? I know it's like AMD sort of new mainstream 1080p RDNA 2 solution. Oh, how pretty and fancy looking. Yeah, it's like this is the most generic card you can imagine because there's not a single bit of RGB on it whatsoever. No lighting stuff. So it's, you know, it's a dual slot graphics card. It comes from FXX. Uh, I keep on saying FXF, FXF, but now it's XFX. Um, got their lovely little cutouts on the on the IO plate. Yeah, um, and you know it's they're they're probably not as big of a brand as like Sapphire and of course ASUS and MSI and Gigabyte, but they've been around for ages. Like I can't even remember. I'd have to go look up when they when they came into being but they've been around ages uh you can see pass through blower on the on the side um helps with cooling that's something that was kind of new this generation from both the rtx 30 and the uh rx 6000 you started seeing more cards do a cutout that would let the air flow through and apparently that helps with cooling um 
relatively large fans. I think I measured and they're about 95 millimeter, which, you know, bigger is better on the fan size usually because you don't have to spin it as fast to get the same airflow. But these are very generic fans in the sense that there's no rim like you see integrated rim that, that you get on some of the higher end graphics cards that it increases static pressure and helps with cooling at lower RPMs and all that stuff. Um, and you know, I've, I've owned enough graphics cards over the years. Um, if you have a fan go out, like more popular cards are better to own. So it's usually pretty easy to find an Asus replacement fan or Asus. I, I still don't even remember what they're supposed to be called these days. They changed their pronunciation. Uh, I remember I used to call them Asus and then I yeah. started doing the show and people didn't like that I called them that. Yeah, there's like, I think the, the proper pronunciation would be like Asus, but uh, no one says that yeah, in the no. US. <laughs> I refuse. Yeah, so, um, you know, if your fans ever go out two, three years down the road, like I've replaced fans on a Sapphire card. Um, they're pretty readily available. Uh, Asus and MSI usually aren't too bad gigabyte. The big names are easier to find uh, fans for. Um, I've had a PNY card that the fan, one of the fans went bad. And let me tell you, I could not find a replacement. I suspect F the XFX brand is going to be a little bit more in that. Like if you have a fan that needs replacing, it's going to be harder, but I mean, it, it's a low power card, 132 watts, roughly. I think peak power I measured 140, a little bit higher than the official TDP, but, uh, you know, nothing major. It's got a, a single eight pin power connector, which alone can supply 150 watts. So the, the PCIe slot is just gravy. Of course, it's Navi 23. And so that means even though this is a physically a, an X16 slot, um it only has x8 on the lane connections which i still don't know why amd did that it, it's so weird like i almost you feel your review when you said that sort of slowed it down a little bit uh so i didn't test this card i tested the 6600 xt on i mean it it's a different system because I, my main test bed is an i9-9900K. There just hasn't been like a dire need to upgrade the CPU and motherboard. And so that only supports Gen 3 PCI Express. Um, so when I wanted to test Gen 4, I've either got to go to um, the Rocket Lake CPUs, which I don't have and they're power hungry. Paul's got those. Or I do have um, a Comet Lake, but I don't think that supports Gen 4. I, I could be wrong on that. I'm speaking off the top of my head, but I also have a Ryzen 9 5900X and that definitely supports Gen 4. And so I tested the 6600 XT on the 9900K and the 5900X and the 5900X performance was about five to 7% faster um, overall. And that kind of applied to most situations. Um, so it's, it's kind of like when you're running at 1440p you're usually pretty much gpu limited and so a faster cpu isn't really going to matter but potentially the increased bandwidth from the pci express bus could come into play and so it's it's hard to say for sure whether it's the swap in cpu or the swap in in uh pci uh, connection speed, but there was a little bit of a difference and I would expect the difference to be a little bit smaller with the slightly slower vanilla 6600. So, uh, 
I don't think there's really much else to, to say. You've got this card has one HDMI 2.1 and then three DisplayPort 1.4. That's pretty standard these days. I mean, just about every card I've looked at has that. Sometimes you get uh, the higher end cards like Asus will give you two HDMI 2.1 ports. Um, and we're starting to see HDMI 2.1 uh, monitors, you know, normally it, like up until the last few months, it's been like, if you want HDMI 2.1, the only things that support it are HDTVs, but we're now starting to see monitors. I think uh, ViewSonic has just released one. I, it's on our site with news, but it has, uh, it's 144 Hertz. I'm trying to remember if it's a 4k or if it's a 1440p, but, uh, Hopefully it's 4K. Look that up. Yeah. So, so HDMI 2.1 does have more bandwidth available than DisplayPort 1.4, and so it's like, well, 4K. Sorry. Yeah. So that's good. So you know you can run high refresh rates, um, and not have to use DSC, the digital stream compression technology, which is supposed to be visually lossless. Um, It it uses, I think, it uses 422 chroma subsampling instead of your regular 444 YPRPB, your um, RGB equivalent. But uh, so that's that's kind of getting off track, but that's why HDMI 2.1 maybe will start taking over more, or we might see DisplayPort 2.0 become more popular. It's, it's kind of tough to say, but uh, again, very typical card, uh, AMD, sent out i think they sent out a sapphire pulse to some other reviewers whereas i got the xfx uh i think i'm also getting a sapphire pulse from sapphire i expect the performance to be virtually identical because they have the same specs they have the same uh clocks boost clocks and all that stuff one of the interesting things with amd's um rdna2 chips is they have they have four clocks that they now advertise base clock which is kind of useless like nothing runs at base clock unless your gpu is overheating or or having problems um and sometimes they don't even publish that nvidia kind of does the same thing um then there's amd has game clock which is supposed to be their like conservative boost clock so like the game clock on this is 2044 megahertz and it's like pretty much guaranteed to run at that speed or higher regardless of what you're doing then you have the boost clock, which in this one is 2491 megahertz. I don't know what the official spec is. Uh, I, I think it might be the same, but uh, boost clock is now like NVIDIA's boost clock, which is a, a somewhat conservative. Well, it's not quite like NVIDIA's. So NVIDIA will say their boost clock is like 1770 megahertz on, uh, on the 3080. I, that might be wrong, but let's just go with it for a second. Right. Um, if you actually check clocks in most games, you will get like 1850 to 1900 megahertz. So, so it's like a hundred megahertz lower than what you normally get. And if you're in a more cramped case or a hotter environment, then maybe you actually do run closer to 1770. Okay, fine. So AMD's boost clock prior to RDNA 2 was, was more like a maximum that you would see. And on RDNA 1, you usually didn't see it. Um, and then beyond that, there's actually the maximum boost clock. That is another clock speed that if you open up the Radeon settings, it doesn't say 2491 megahertz as the boost clock. It says 2704 megahertz. And you're like, 
like, well, I even asked AMD, I'm like, well, which is it? And they didn't give me a good answer. It's like, no, that's not what I asked. Okay, whatever. Why do so you think there's a difference in this terminology? It, so the, the software boost clock that you see in Radeon settings, as I understand it, is the maximum that your GPU will hit. And that needs to be like the cards running cool, the, the thing's not too demanding, but it, it's demanding enough that your GPU wants to boost up to its maximum speed. Um, but the advertised boost clock, so it's like the, the maximum boost clock is just there. And the, the kind of pain with it is if you want to overclock your GPU using AMD Radeon settings, you adjust the maximum boost clock. And you're like, well, how does that affect your real world boost clock? And it's kind of like, well, it scales proportionately. But, you know, the only way to test what you're getting clock speed wise is to actually then go and measure and see how it, it does. But. So just kind of an int interesting thing there. But in general, I like to compare NVIDIA and AMD boost clocks now because they, they mostly function the same. It's like, so maybe AMD runs um, 25 megahertz slower than their boost clock and NVIDIA runs 100 megahertz faster, but they're different architectures anyway. And there's so many nuances to the architectures that's like yeah it's it's not really critical to worry about exactly what the the real world clock speed is because ultimately you come back to performance which uh let's talk performance yeah right? let's talk performance so i was look i'm looking at your charts the nine game average on this and it looks like this comes in uh below the rtx 3060 and even the last gen rx 5700 xt uh, yeah. And it targets an MSRP of about $329, so maybe that's justified, but we were talking a bit before the show about the specifics of the situation, so uh, anything you want to dive into there? So, performance-wise, um, it's priced the same as the RTX 3060 officially, right? So, and And those are... Like it used to be that you would see street prices below MSRP sometimes, and that hasn't happened for a year and a half now. Probably, uh, it's it's been pretty painful. Um, but uh, so they're both supposed to be three twenty nine as a minimum. Realistically, you almost never see them sold for that, except at like a launch event or a special event that AMD or NVIDIA wants to kind of hey look, you can actually buy them at MSRP. But uh, if you go to like Newegg Shuffle. Um, sometimes you'll see cards that are a little lower than MSRP, or not lower, but a little closer to MSRP. Most of the time, like new egg shuffles, you'll see the RTX 3060 go for like 450 for the card alone to as much as like 550 to $600 with like a bundled power supply or some such. And, uh, and so it's like, yeah, you're not getting close to MSRP on the 3060. If you go to eBay, where it's like, you go, you don't actually have to do the shuffle off, I guess, as I like to call <laughs> the wig thing. Sorry, I like Winnie the Pooh have kids. No, that's uh, fine. I, uh, I was looking at eBay before the show because obviously we're not going to have new egg shuffles on this yet. And the, um, RX 6600 is already going on there for around six, 550 to $600, depending yeah. on the listing. Yeah, and the funny thing is you can buy 6600 XT on, on eBay for about $600. So I'm like, uh, between the two, the XT wins hands down. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just quick comment on that too. So the, the difference between the 6600 and the 6600 XT, they both use 
the Navi 23 GPU, but the uh, 6600 XT is the fully enabled GPU with 32 compute units, um, which works out to 2048 uh, GPU shaders. Whereas the um, 6600 here has uh, 28 compute units. So it disables 256 GPU cores, shaders, um, and then it also has lower clock speeds. In in practice, it's it's not like tons lower. Uh, I want to say like in in my measured testing, it was maybe a hundred megahertz lower. So even though the game clock is like four hundred megahertz lower, if you look at specs, it's closer to the boost clock, which is only one hundred megahertz lower. Um, and then the memory is also different. So so the the 6600 cards have GDDR6 running at 14 gigabits per second, whereas the 6600 XT cards have 16 gigabits per second memory. So when you when you factor in all of those things, um, memory clock speeds, GPU clock speeds, and fewer GPU shaders, you end up with anywhere from 10 to 20, this is the outside. 25% is the maximum worst case scenario performance difference I expect you'd see between the two. Um, but that's pretty big, especially given the price difference is only $50, which, you know, 380 to 330, uh, that's, that's less than a 25% drop in price. So uh, my take is generally speaking, you should go for the 6600 XT if the prices are relatively close. If it's 330 for 6600 versus 430 or 530, you know, then obviously you have to balance price to performance. Um, same thing goes for the RTX 3060. If you can find an RTX 3060 for under $400, that's an excellent buy right now. Uh, we wish it were cheaper, but that's just not happening. And it's not just like, AMD and their partners like ripping people off and milking everyone for money because you've got production shortages at TS, uh, TSMC and Samsung Foundry where it's like they can't produce enough, they can't produce more wafers. There's short uh, substrate shortages where the actual substrates that go into the packages are a, a bit harder to come by right now. The prices have gone up. Then there's like Copper foil shortages that go into the PCBs, the circuit boards, and those are those prices are going up. And there's shortages on capacitors and all these other things. And it's like COVID related and other stuff related. And then on top of all of that, you have shipping container shortages. <laughs> so that actually so, brings me to an interesting point that I wanted to discuss because you mentioned, you know, AMD sent you the XFX card. There's the Sapphire card that you want to look to look at as well. Um, this is only coming out through like third parties, right? There's no yeah. AMD Founders Edition or whatever. Right. And and that's typical of the lower tier cards. So like you get the reference or Founders Edition, depending on whether you're looking at AMD and NVIDIA. Um, obviously at the top, you see those, um, but... So like the previous gen, NVIDIA had reference Founders Edition cards from the 2060, 2060 Super, 2070, 70 Super, up to the 2080 Ti. This generation, they have reference cards for, uh, yeah, there's a 3060 Ti Founders Edition, and then everything above that is Founders Edition is available, but there is no 3060 Founders Edition. And uh, on AMD, it's kind of a similar story. So there was reference cards for, for the 6700 XT and above, but there's no reference card for the 6600 XT and below. Gotcha. 
Uh, we actually have a comment here from Descartes Shaman Gaming it says RX sixty six hundred. So I think we might have some newcomers showing. If you want to show it on yeah. again, real quick. Yeah. So, and I I probably like RTX and RX are so close to each other that I'm sure I've misspoke. I'm sure that's on purpose <laughs> as well. Yeah. So maybe I'll put it over here, uh, <laughs> not not underneath my name. The whole time. Uh, yeah, also, so while I'm addressing comments, we have a very nice comment from rcow 2000 I appreciate oh. you both. Thank you so much. And I also did adjust the volume. I saw your comment earlier. So hopefully yeah, that's is that good. okay? I, I hope it sounds okay now. I think um, you sound okay. I, uh, I was able to adjust it in our behind the scenes setup. But yeah, uh, yeah so this is the RX 6600. If you haven't quite gotten a look at it yet. It's a fairly plain card because it's from XFX, which tends not to go too fancy. Do you think yeah, you'll ever see a fancy version of such a low-end card? Uh, you know what? There will be companies that for sure do the RGB blinged out edition. And I mean, like, I honestly, I don't mind the non-bling. Like, it's it's not... Some people love RGB everywhere. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm less... I'm like a little ambivalent, you know. My case uh, is uh, opaque, so you couldn't even see. Yeah. RGB. And and you know, then there's the like, okay, so let's say Asus do, does the uh, fully ROG um, Strix version of this card, which I, I would assume it exists, but I haven't checked right now. And you know, ROG Strix branding generally adds like a hundred dollars to the card, and so it's like, well, would you want to pay? I mean, let's just pretend MSRPs are real for a second. So you've got this for three thirty, or the ASUS ROG Strix for four thirty, that maybe performs five per, five to ten percent faster because of overclocks and whatnot, and you get RGB. Or you could go up for four for three eighty. You would have an a sixty six hundred XT that's fifteen to twenty percent faster than this, you know. And then it's like, or you can get the ASUS ROG Strix sixty six hundred XT for four hundred eighty dollars. And so, I'm I'm more a fan of the value proposition for graphics cards because, generally speaking, there's so little difference between the cards um, out of the box unless you spend like a huge premium. So, like I tested an ASUS ROG Strix uh, liquid cooled thirty eighty Ti. And it was, I think, almost 10%, maybe a 7% faster than the reference card, right? And you're like, okay, that's fine, except the reference card's supposed to be $1,200, and the Asus liquid-cooled card is like $1,800, and you still can't find either of them in stock for that price. So, you know, I, I say, for me, I'm like, if you're going out and you're trying to buy a graphics card, I would look for price first, unless you have really strong feelings about brand. You know, like, hey, I really want the look of this, or I'm building an all Asus computer, or I work for Asus and I need to run an Asus card, or, you know, whatever it is. Um, I usually don't worry so much about brand because I've tested a lot of GPUs and, you know, I've, I've got a review of the 6600 XT, so I did a Gigabyte card, an ASRock card, and a Sapphire card. And of those three, I think the Sapphire is the best overall because you can find it sometimes at places like Micro Center for $380. The Gigabyte card also cost $380. It was like 1% slower, but the fan speed and the temperatures of the GPU were a lot worse on the Gigabyte card. And so I'm like, well, yeah, the Sapphire was great. 
Then I also got the ASRock Phantom Gaming 6600 XT that has RGB lighting on it, and and it was pretty much the same speed exactly as the Sapphire card. And you're like, well, that's okay. So, you know, how much does it cost? And then you find out that instead of 380, it's 480. And you go, oh, uh, yeah, I'm not spending $100 extra for lights. Some yeah. people will. So we're I'm talking not one about of them. sort of different skews of the same card here. I do want to talk about like price comparisons between this and other similar cards because uh, there's some stuff we talked about the show that might be driving that. Before that, we have a comment from, and I forgive me if I don't say this correctly, Sergio Suarez uh, Gomez asking, Suarez. Suarez. Yes. is the RX 6600 performance similar to the GTX 1080? So calling out an oldie but a goodie, I'm actually calling on a computer with the GTX 1080. Is it still viable, Jared? Do I need to upgrade? Yeah, I mean, it, it all depends on what you want to do. So let me tell you, I, I didn't include all of the numbers in the actual review, um, for meaning all the graphics cards. So, you know, I've got data on 70 or whatever graphics cards. It's a lot. Uh, compared to the um, GTX 1080 overall, the 6600 uh, non-XT, sorry, that uh, was 13% faster at 1080p, 10% faster at 1440p, and 2 to 3% faster at 4K, which 4K is kind of like, eh, you probably don't need to worry about it that much anyway. I'm actually so, curious. I didn't know you tested the 1080 still. I'm looking at the, the chart. Well, I, I will say these are old numbers. I haven't retested the 1080 in probably 6 to 12 months, something like that. But I did, I did go through and I tested everything from, I think, the RX... 560 and GTX 1050 all the way up through the 3090 and 6900 XT. And that's what our GPU benchmarks hierarchy shows. Mm, uh, we are thorough here. So even though the review shows the GTX 1660 Super on the low end, there are other numbers uh, in the benchmarks hierarchy. Sorry, don't mean yeah. to off. Yep. So, so seriously, check out the GPU benchmarks hierarchy. I will update that with the 6600 XT, sorry, 6600 non-XT. Uh, today was my plan. Right now I'm on the show and I've been busy benchmarking um, the, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, the, back X, the, the back for blood. But uh, the performance is, um, if you look at the hierarchy percentages, uh, which is how they're ranked, it's 49.2% of uh, 3090. So the 3090 is like our 100% mark because it's the fastest GPU right now. And so if you look at other cards around there, the 2060 Super is like 50.6%. So just a little bit ahead of that. Vega 64 is 48.4%. So it's it's basically like the the 1050, the, sorry, the 1080, the 5600 XT, Vega 64, 2060 Super, and RX 5700 are all within like a 2% range of each other. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I will say the hierarchy is running older games. Uh, so it, it uses nine games and I test at 1080p, 1440p and 4k and I test at medium quality and ultra quality. So like it, it's kind of like it penalizes the fastest cards because you run into CPU bottlenecks at 1080p medium. 
and it penalizes the slowest cards because 4K Ultra is not going to run well on a on a four gigabyte or two gigabyte mm-hmm. card. But overall, I'm like, well, it's kind of the balancing out factor. So it's like you could just do 1080p, but I'm like, well, that doesn't really help. And I do show the charts with all the the overall scores. So it's like if you only care about 4K or you only care about 1440p. You can just go down to the charts and see where the various GPUs place. Awesome. Thank you. So uh, for sort of more recent numbers, you can look at Jared's review of this card, the RX 6600. And then for numbers, including older GPUs, including the GTX 1080, you can look at our GPU benchmarks hierarchy. So you Yeah, and, and it will also be, uh, uh, there's charts on the best graphics card. Sorry, best graphics cards page. Yes. So, so we're we're going to plug as many things as we can. Yes. <laughs> but uh, thank you for your comment, Sergio. As always, feel free to leave comments in the box below, and we will uh, try to get the, to them throughout the show. For now, though, you mentioned a lot of cards <laughs> that were sort of in the ballpark of this. So why buy this instead of one of those cards? Or maybe why not buy this? Why does it cost as much as a 6600 why does yeah. the 5700 XT cost like 800 when compared to this? So cryptocurrency mining is still a major deal um, worldwide, I guess. I, I don't know who's buying these cards, but I guess like if you're looking at starting a business and you go, hey, I can buy a graphics card and it will pay for itself through cryptocurrency mining in less than a year. And like, never mind the fact that, uh, and that's that's not using the, retail uh, the the msrps that's using ebay prices so it's like if this goes for six hundred dollars on ebay in theory it pays for itself in a year and you just set it in a corner or more like you're likely you're doing it at scale so you're a big farm a big miner with you know a farm of thousands of gpus maybe um i like i've thought about this too because i'm like well it's not just the graphics cards because you've got to pay for cooling power and most importantly you've got to pay for the space that you're running all these gpus in and those things all add up and so then i'm like well maybe the return on your investment takes like two years but again i'm sure there's business people out there that are like hey if i can invest five million dollars in graphics cards and space and all this stuff and break even in two years and then everything after that is profit i think that's what's happening um but at the same time, it's it's all dependent on cryptocurrencies continuing to you know go up in price and such and not bombing. So if we have a crash where it's like Ethereum lo- loses two thirds of its value, um, you're going to lose a lot of that money, and that's a problem. And uh, and in that case, like why not just buy Ethereum directly and hope it goes up and sit on it and be one of the people that are hodling. Um, so that's that's really what it comes down to, those cryptocurrency mining. So a Vega 64 will do like 50 to 55 mega hash, and it costs $800. This card will do about 28, 29 mega hash. And so, you know, the, the people on eBay probably will settle in at around $500 is my guess. Um, the 6600 XT is like 32 mega hash per second. And that's because the 6600 XT has the faster 16 gigabits per second memory. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I saw someone make a comment on my review, I think, where they were like, oh, AMD limited the GPU clock to, to only uh, 19 
hundred megahertz and that's the base clock. So you got to take, uh, gosh, uh, 1900 times eight is your actual clock. So, so if you max out the GPU clock, or sorry, the memory clock on these cards, it's only 15.2 gigabits per second, I think. Um, and so people are like, well, that kind of sucks. Uh, guess what? The reality is I tried this at 1900 and it crashed. <laughs> so I actually had to drop it back like 20 megahertz beyond that. And I don't know, like maybe if they increase the voltages to the GDDR6 or there's something else, but I'm like, there's a reason chips get binned as 14 gigabits and chips get binned as 16 gigabits. So you usually get about 10% overclocking headroom. And, you know, um, the reason you can't go up to 16 gigabits on these cards with overclocking is because the memory can't do that unless you get really lucky. So, um, so I wouldn't worry too much about the overclocking aspect anyway, because yeah. you know it's it just increases or decreases stability, increases your chances of crashing all that. If you're mining, you can probably you know bump up the memory clocks and drop the GPU clocks and improve your performance. I think out of the box, I got like 25 mega hash for Ethereum. So it's like, oh well, I improved it by what is that like? 15, 20% by overclocking the memory. And I dropped the power consumption from like 140 watts down to like 80 watts or 70 watts. I, I don't remember what the power use while mining was, but you know, uh, you can definitely tune things for mining and, and get better results. But ultimately I'm like this, I, I still am a little in shock that people are buying 6600 XTs for mining because they're not much faster than a 590 or a 588 gigabyte or a 578 gigabyte. And those have been around for what, like five years. Um, mm -hmm. they're, they're quite old now. And it's like, yeah, it's a little more power efficient, but I guess at some level there are people who are just like, well, I can't get the cards that I want, which would be like a 3080 or 3080 Ti maybe or something. So they're just going down the thing and saying, well, let's just build more systems with a 6600 because it will still do 30 mega hash. And I'm like, I suppose oh. at scale that might work, which brings me to our next question. Uh, we have a question from Bulbul here. He says, do you think we can buy it at its MSRP in the first day of release? I know in your review, you were saying, boy, I'm, I'm hopeful, but uh, I have since <laughs> searched for them and I well, don't I, have I, any in stock. Yeah, I, I didn't take the time to try and drive down to the mi local micro center here in Colorado to see if they got shipments in. Um, AMD didn't make a big deal about it this time, but like micro center had, um, what did they say? 2000 GPUs for the 6600 XT launch. And I think they have like 30 stores or something. I, d I don't remember the exact count, but the store in, in Denver area had Originally, I think they said they got over a hundred, a hundred, um, 6600 XT cards. And I got there at like one or so in the afternoon and they still probably had 20 or 30 cards left. Um, and then they did eventually sell out. I don't know if they sold out the first day or the second day. I'm sure areas with more people traffic, they probably sold out faster. Yeah. Um, I did go back though. Um, a few weeks later and there were no cards in stock at all except for gtx 1050 ti so <laughs> and so, it was priced uh, at 300 dollars. thank you very much uh, uh no okay so yeah so this card is supposed to be priced at 329 dollars 
Uh, let's say yeah. we live in a perfect world where MSRPs are the actual prices for these things. Uh, why do I buy this card over the 6600 XT or the I'm, 3060? I mean, if you could find all of the cards at their MSRP right now, I wouldn't buy this card. Mm-hmm. I would say spend the extra $50 and get the XT. Um, and then at that price, you go, well, or do I upgrade to the 3060 Ti? And it actually gets a little trickier because like the 3060 has 12 gigabytes of VRAM, and that's more than enough for that level of card. Um, the 3060 Ti, the 3070, the 3070 Ti, they all have eight gigabytes, which is, you know, what the 6600 XT and 6600 have. And I'm a little like, that's now like my minimum. I would not buy a card with less than eight gigabytes oh, right no, now. No, no. Yeah, there's, there's just too many cases where it's like, oh, well, like Far Cry 6, if you want to max settings out, it can struggle if you don't have more than eight gigabytes. Um, not that you need to max the settings out, but it's, it's just like the consoles have enough memory that eight gigabytes is now, uh, the, the bare minimum that I'd get if you are actually a serious gamer. So this actually um, brings me to something that I personally am curious about since you've been testing Far Cry 6 and Back for Blood in these newer games. This graphics card is bumping up against the edge of the, the last generation of graphics cards. How well does it perform in these newer games? How long do you think it's going to last? Does it even feel like a recent, a current-gen card, I guess? I mean, this is this is the hard thing about budget and the mainstream GPUs is they're really boring to me. Um, <laughs> like like the 3080 and the 3090 and the 6800 XT, 6800, uh, 6900 XT, those are exciting because they're a new level of performance. And you go, awesome. Like it's 35 or 50% maybe faster than the previous fastest card. And you go, awesome. Or there's, you know, maybe the 3070, you go, oh, well, you can get the same performance as the previous generation for a lot less money, which kind of didn't hold out this generation because all the prices went crazy, but like that, that's the theory. But by the time you get down to like, let's say this were normal times, this wouldn't have been a $330 card. If, if this stuff was launching in 2018, 2019, it would have probably been a 250, $260 card and it would have been fine. And you would say, Hey, that's a good mainstream value, but like we've already discussed, the GTX 1080 is pretty much as fast as this card. The RX 5600 XT is pretty much as fast as this card. So it's it's not that it's faster than things that have existed before. It's just supposed to be more efficient and a better value. And the problem is the better value thing is totally not happening because of all the shortages. So like the 5600 XT launched at $280. Price was as low as two hundred and fifty dollars for quite a while, really, at least at least six to twelve months, and then the pandemic and the shortages hit, and and the prices shot up, and then cryptocurrency mining took off again, and the prices skyrocketed even more, and so now it's like, yeah, the fifty six hundred XT is currently selling for like uh, I want to say it's it's in the like six hundred dollar range as well, maybe even more, um, so. So it's like, well, you have to balance all of that. And I'm like, if you've got a decent graphics card, your 1080, I'm like, just hang on to it and wait mm-hmm. for this insanity to correct. And I hope that will happen by the end of next year. That's which the is, reason I haven't upgraded my Yeah, it's, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really sad to think like 
the pandemic started in early 2020 and now we're end of 2021 and we're still saying, hey, these prices and the craziness of, of graphics cards and other components probably maybe hopefully will end by the end of 2022. And I'm just like, oh, please, can it be all over already? Because 2020, really, I had it in my head that it was 2019. Time is a construct. Yeah, it's, it's it all just gets messy, right? Yeah. We started hearing about it. Like, I remember we we went to CES 2020. And and at the time, I, I'll, I'll admit, I was one of those guys. Going, well, it's probably just going to be like like the SARS and like the MERS SARS? stuff That's again, right? And so, so we're all in this crowded uh, Las Vegas stuff and, you know, talking to people. Nobody's really wearing masks and such. And I didn't get sick. And I don't think anyone else from Tom's Hardware got sick from COVID on that trip. But I had uh, I have a brother and his wife who were in New York in uh, in January of 2020, and that was kind of before COVID was really being talked about. They got sick. They came home. They lost their sense of smell and sense of taste oh, for a no. week, and it's like they obviously had COVID, but they were before anyone was really like talking like how how prevalent it was getting to be so not to, not to get too off topic but when the covid news started hitting i was also thinking oh this is just going to be like star like sars um i was busy i was actually recovering from a different hospital thing and i was like please no now is not the right time um and my boyfriend was talking to me he's like honey it's going to be bad and i'm sad that he was correct yeah and i'm also sad that he was correct in more ways than one, because components have been a hell of an issue uh, as well. Yeah. Although people's health is obviously more important. Yeah, it, I mean, it, I'll I'll tell you, it's it's agonizing to write reviews for hardware that nobody can really buy. Mm -hmm. Like, like it just it's it's I just feel like guilty. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I've got all these GPUs I've tested and reviewed, and I'm like. You know who who cares when no one can actually get them, but you kind of sort of can get them if you're if you're willing to pay a bit more and you and you work the angles and you know eventually. I mean, like I entered um, the EVGA's uh, drawings, and uh, I did eventually come up on their twenty uh, sorry thirty sixty list. Oh, congrats! You so, also I know you had some luck with the new egg shuffle. I tried that as well. Yeah. I, I got selected three times on the New Egg Shuffle so far. I, I enter it most days. Um, okay. Well, here's the thing. I selected everything on every shuffle. Mm. Like even those PlayStation consoles and such, I have not gotten selected for a console yet. Um, and the ones that I usually get selected for are like the 3090 for $3,000. And I kind of chuckle. I go, yeah, I'm not buying that. Um, I'm sorry. I go to eBay. Um, yeah. So I know you said that the, this card, these sort of low-end cards are kind of boring to you. We do have a comment here, though, that should hopefully make things spicier. We have a comment from Desmond Bradley <laughs> saying Microsoft negatively affected AMD CPUs on purpose. So this is a totally different topic, and, and Paul's not here. He's on vacation this week, but um, Windows 11 launched, and and there's a big stink about how AMD's Ryzen CPUs are negatively impacted by um, the, the security and performance optimizations. And this is this is the crazy thing to me. So we know Alder Lake has been getting a lot of tuning from Microsoft and Intel to make the scheduler work better with the asymmetrical cores. So Alder Lake has, you know, eight fast cores and eight 
slow cores or is it eight and eight? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, and so scheduling those and balancing things can, can be a bit tricky. And it's like Windows 11 needed a seriously upgraded scheduler. I'm like, well, that's, that's all fine. But what kills me is I'm like, AMD has known Windows 11 was coming for how long? Um, a year, you know, six months. Like they had to know this was in the works and Microsoft knew this was in the works and like, we know there's a lot of people using Ryzen CPUs out there. I'm like, how the hell does this slip through? And it's like AMD released a thing saying, yeah, um, you can lose up to 15% performance in certain situations because of some bad patching or bad optimizations. And what, what it is is the L3 cache latency is horrendous on Windows 11. Like Paul did the testing. And in some cases, it was up to 12 times worse latency, which, I mean, like at that point, your L3 cache is actually going to be slower than just going to DDR4 memory. And that's pathetic. And it's like, how did Microsoft and AMD let this ship? I'll tell you what, Desmond. So I actually tried to have Paul on, I believe, last week's show to talk about this, but we had uh, a problem with doing a live show through the internet as he had a storm in his area. And <laughs> That's so right. He couldn't join us. Um, Paul is out this week, but next week, if we can't, I'm currently trying to book something else, hush, hush. But if that doesn't go through, I will see if Paul can join us and talk about this finally. Um, do you know, it's, when do you think this is going to get patched, Jared? Well, I, they're saying by the end of October is what I've heard. Um, so you know, I they're hope soon. They're they're working to get it done quickly. So where where does the 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 idea that Microsoft did it on purpose come through? Because I don't know what their their benefit to doing that would be. Yeah, I mean that's like. Like, honestly, I think it's not that Microsoft did it on purpose. I think it's that Microsoft optimized for some of Intel's architectures more than they did for anything else. And like, again, these are like, okay, AMD's not that huge of a company, but it's still quite large, right? right. But Microsoft is gargantuan. I'm like, how do you like not test this on a CPU that, I mean, in the business sector, I bet Ryzen is probably, you know, something like five to 10%. Right. Um, but but if you're looking at the yeah. at the DIY sector, Ryzen is like 20 to 25% now. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, that's a lot of people are using Ryzen processors. And, you know, going from like sixth gen to seventh gen or seventh to eighth or whatever Intel processors, usually the upgrade generational performance upgrade is five to 10%. And so we're potentially talking about losing a whole generation's worth of performance. So I mean, Windows 11 is just weird because like the yeah. whole TPM thing, the security settings, like there's all sorts of garbage happening where, I mean, I'm a cyberpunk fan and we are very much entering that era where it's like our software has gotten so complex that, you know, there are always security holes. Well, and... I thought you meant cyberpunk, the games. No, 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 no. I'm talking genre. about the genre. Yes. Yeah. So um, that's the thing that makes me think I was going to talk specifically about Windows 11, but I'd love to talk cyberpunk because always transhumanists are talking about, oh, implants are going to be the next big thing. I do not trust like Intel to make proper software patches to my eyes, you know? 
No kidding. I mean, like, like I love the theory of it. Like, Neuromancer is one of my all-time favorite books, um, and that whole series and stuff. And and yet, like, even though I'm like, man, that would be so cool to be able to like jack my brain into the matrix and all that stuff. I'm like, yeah, there's no what, there's no way in my lifetime I'm going to be at the level where I trust both the doctors and the implants and the software to all work. Getting deprecated or your joints. yeah. Yeah. Or, or there's a glitch or yeah, it's it's like there's so many things that can go wrong. So having to I, sign a, uh, oh my gosh, or um, what your ears can filter out objectionable content or. Well, it's uh, so I actually, so I had COVID last month. I got it from my mom because my mom got injured and I went up to take care of her. And so she got COVID, tested positive, and they said, hey, we recommend you get this Regeneron infusion that's supposed to help you overcome it quickly because she's 84. And so it's like, yeah, um, you know, they you want to help the older people get over it faster, whatever. And maybe it worked, right? But if you look at the uh, the things that you have to sign before they'll give you the, the infusion, I'm like, you know, it's it's basically... Um, you sign away any rights to sue up to and including death. Um, yeah, I, um, and so like, what will I cybernetic implants be? Oh yeah. Well, you're going in for a hip replacement up to and including death is going to be on every one of those. Informed consent is definitely kind of a, a scary, yeah. scary thing to do sometimes when the doctors have to tell you the worst possible case. I yep. will say, get the vaccine if you haven't already. Please do. It's a it's a documented process going back years. Um, but that maybe doesn't quite compare to someone like Microsoft having direct access to how my brain processes <laughs> things. But uh, that's obviously going far into the future. We just like to have fun here a little bit. Um, but talking about Windows 11 specifically and how it relates to AMD CPUs, I feel like we talked with our editor-in-chief, Avram Pilch, about Windows 11 a while back and how his theory is that it was maybe a Windows 10 patch that got bumped up to Windows 11 to justify a, a UI refresh. And to me, that UI refresh seems more business-focused. Um, which might be why uh, they maybe tested on Intel computers more. Um, but I can't imagine skipping over AMD because they obviously know AMD exists. They put yeah. AMD in the Xbox, which has direct storage, which is supposed to be on Windows 11. There aren't games supporting it yet. Um, but yeah, Windows 11 is a wonky launch right now. And uh, if you can hold off updating for a few months, uh, I think that's probably my recommendation, at least. Thoughts, Jared? I mean, it feels like Windows 11 is the the old every other update thing from Microsoft, or not update, but every major every other major release. So it's like um, XP was good. Uh, Vista wasn't as good. Windows 7 was good. Windows 8 was a step back. Windows 10 was good. Windows 11 is, you know, a step back. Um, yeah. And I, so I'm going to be testing Windows 11 graphics cards on, uh, on my systems at some point. Uh, that is another big chunk of testing to do. And I just haven't jumped and on that train and bitten the bullet yet, but that's coming. And I'm curious to see what happens. 
and you know then it's like you've got all these things where it's like oh well you need tpm and and you got to disable vbs and you know what happens if you do a clean install versus an upgrade install and i mean it's it's just messy like i i feel like whoever thought this was a grand old idea at microsoft um I don't know if they would admit it, but they were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> they were wrong in the to do this. Of a, of a component and tech shortage. Yeah. Was, uh, I mean, I feel like the TPM thing is almost like, like someone, you know, Desmond said Microsoft ne negatively affected AMD CPUs on purpose. I think the TPM thing is a way bigger deal because, mm -hmm. like, basically, officially supported CPUs are pretty much only stuff in the last. Three four years, four you can plus and eighth gen plus. Yeah, and it's like you can probably get it to work on slightly older stuff, but you need to get that TPM chip, or you need to bypass the TPM. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I mean, there's there's already known security flaws with TPM. It's not like this panacea that just fixes security right. and it all gets better. And I remember so, when the TPM requirement was announced, uh, our editor Paul went looking at TPM prices yeah. and they <laughs> jacked up like fifty to a hundred dollars for like, yeah, like standalone TPM module. A TPM module. If you went and looked at a TPM module six months ago, before all that news came out about Windows 11, you could buy them for ASUS or MSI or ASRock or whoever your motherboard vendor is, and they were generally like $9. Mm -hmm. and, and now, now they're closer to 60 I want to say. It, like, I haven't looked, but I know at one point they were like 30 to $40. They're probably more now, but I don't know. It's Now, it's, if you want to bypass the tp i don't know why i did the awkward wink if you want to bypass the tpm our editor-in-chief avram pilch has written a guide for that plus a bunch of other windows 11 coverage that you can go ahead and check out at our site but you know at a, he's also written a bunch of registry hacks to try to sort of fix things that windows 11 yeah. broke but at a certain point if you're spending most of your time making the old the new os work like the old os it questions why even have the new os my my take is very simple i'm like just don't upgrade to windows 11 right yeah. now um i mean like i'm going to do it on well here's the thing is i want to get an extra ssd and i will do a clean install and i will leave my windows 10 install alone and after i test windows 11 i think there's a real good chance i will go back to windows 10 mm -hmm. um for my main systems and i'm i'm like if you're looking at trying to bypass the tpm requirement for windows 11 it's simple stick with windows 10. Right. Um, if you don't like the the new ui of windows 11 stick with windows 10 and it was the same thing with windows 8 where they replaced the start menu with the stupid start screen full screen apps and all that stuff and mm -hmm. uh, i mean it was it was a travesty i'm like who thought this was a good idea and that's that's the only like i can excuse this happening from microsoft because they've done it before right. multiple times but i'm like this is stupid this is really really dumb so they were um, on windows 10x which was a yeah. touch focused OS that got canceled. And my theory is that a lot of what we're seeing in Windows 11 are the remnants of Windows 10X. And I will agree, I did use it on the Surface Pro 8, and it is much more touch friendly. It makes that computer work a lot better if you have the keyboard removed. Um, but even that its big feature, uh, Android app support, 
isn't in yet. So yeah. there's not a reason to upgrade for even its biggest uh, selling point quite yet. Um, and if you're a gamer, direct storage would be its biggest selling point, And there just aren't games supporting that on PC right now. Yeah, I, I think direct direct storage support is going to be like DirectX 12 support. You know, DirectX 12 officially came out with the first iteration of Windows 10. Mm -hmm. And here we are like six years later. Um, and a lot of games now support DirectX 12. And even then, it's like you don't often get a major advantage right. in performance. It's it's just different. And I think DirectX storage or direct storage will be um, potentially more beneficial. Like my thing is, I'm like, how many games have loading loading screens that you can't bypass that you stare at for 60 seconds? And I really hope direct uh, direct storage gets rid of that garbage because mm -hmm. it's it's the bane of my testing existence where I'm like, okay, Rockstar, I don't need to wait through 60 seconds of videos before I get to the main menu. There is the, there's another caveat there that it will only work with the M.2 NVMe SSD, which obviously I think that's pretty fair and expected at this yeah. point. But, uh, you know, if you're running off a SATA SSD, which is actually what I'm using because, again, components are expensive and I can't afford to upgrade right now, uh, that's another reason not to not to upgrade to Windows 11 quite yet. So uh, yep. the RX 6600, Jared, thoughts? Uh, RX 6600, it's okay. I mean, like it all comes down, and I said this in the article, it all comes down to price and availability, not not the announced price, but the real world price. And, you know, if you've got a decent GPU right now, just hold your horses, take a seat and live with it. Because I'm like, you've got a GTX 1080 and I know there are a lot of games where it will struggle badly if you try and run at 1440p or 4K and ultra quality settings. Maybe even 1080p at ultra quality settings is, is going to be too much in the most strenuous of titles. But guess what? You don't need ultra quality. It's, it's a placebo. Like just drop down to high or even medium and you'll still have a great time. Like I've played a lot of indie games that, you know, it's like, Hey, this indie game looks like, um, state of the art graphics from about 20 years ago. And yeah, I'm having more fun playing it than cyberpunk 2077. So, you know, like just, just remember that you don't need to max out your settings and, and, uh, tweak first. You know, I've got, guides and lots of places have guides for you know various games how to how to improve your performance what settings matter most and such but uh the 6600 i mean if you're trying to get into pc gaming and so you're building a new pc and it's like well here's your options like so say this goes for 400 500 on ebay i mean it, it's kind of too much but in today's market the market's willing to pay that so so that's what it is and and it's like, well, do you buy a brand new 6600 for $500 or do you buy a five-year-old or four-year-old 1080 for probably not much less that might have cooling problems, might have all sorts of other things? I'm like, no, I'd, I'd go for the new card, but but then you, you really do have to consider how much do you need to get into PC gaming right, right. now? Because, um, you know, it's 
it's new, but the only way you can buy it right now is through a, a third party, which uh, well, there, there are I like think have not used it, but yeah, like there's there are people that they'll list it and say it's new, unopened, still sealed, and I'm like, I I bet there's a lot of cases where that's like, that's even true, and and so you are getting a brand new card, but. Um, if you're dealing with warranties, like that can be messy. Even if the person yeah. didn't register it, like if you go to a third, a, a, an add and board card site and you're like, Hey, I want to register my Asus card. Like they often will ask you for your receipt and you're like, Oh, um, I, <laughs> I've got an eBay receipt. And then yeah. like, I don't even know what they're doing with that right now. But then, you know, I'm sure Asus has an eBay store where they're selling stuff at a markup as well. Uh, MSI does, think, you know, yeah. all those. I think yeah. that's about spot on there. I think there's probably a lot of cases where it's true that it's, it's new, but you still never know. And that raises questions. Yeah. On its own. So we are running up on time. I, I laughed at this. Someone put a comment saying $500 is a PS5. I'm but like, I did want to no, it's not. $500 no, is a PS5 only if you're very lucky right now. So yeah. right now the most advanced, um, what is it? The most advanced gaming system in my apartment right now is a PS5. I got it a couple weeks ago at GameStop in person for $700 because the only way to get it was with a bundle with two controllers and a GameStop, um, what is it? A gift card. That was an but okay hey, that's because we wanted those. That's things. not terrible though, right? Like, yeah. and, and you go and you go. Well, hey, a PlayStation Five bundle or an RTX thirty sixty. Yeah, so that's that's <laughs> so, the thing. You know, it's 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 kind of rubbing up five hundred dollars. It's supposed to be three twenty nine, but at the price you can get it right now, it's kind of rubbing up against other options. My PlayStation Five doesn't need anything else in order to run games at 4k or 60 fps still hoping for 4k 60 at some point in the future um but that's a pipe dream for now but the yeah point i is, mean performance wise the other components which in the component shortage right now i love yeah and the, and performance wise this card it's going to be faster than an xbox series s but mm -hmm. slower than the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X. Quite a bit slower, I would say. Um, and so it's like, well, you know, if you're looking at $500 for this, you can find an Xbox Series S for closer to MSRP because, well, kind of because they suck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, the Series S is basically an Xbox One X quality. Not. No, yeah. it's 1080p for sure exactly. um, with scaling. Uh, it's it's basically like an Xbox One X. Uh, it's an Xbox Game Pass machine, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and it's still not, if you just want to play the games, I, I'm sure you can enjoy playing games on it because you don't really need 4K, and you don't um, need even to, on your TV. You don't need to get a new TV to support it because that was another yep. purchase we did to make the PS5 work because you don't want to spend <laughs> all that money on a PS5 and then not get the benefits of having a PS5. That's right. Yeah. But uh, anyway, we have hit time. Thank you so much for your comments, everyone. Thank you for joining us, Jared. Um, thank you for bringing up the specter of Windows 11 again, Desmond Bradley. Uh, <laughs> I joke, we can't escape it, though, but it's always nice to, to have audience interaction and audiences suggesting topics. The so, crazy uh, thing is next year, like, we're supposed to see new GPUs, like, like, 
Ampere, like not Ampere, the replacement for Ampere, Le that's, Lovelace and RDNA 3. I'm They're both supposed to come out next year. PC, but I'm wondering if we're going to go through this all over again. I'm terrified as, as to what prices might be on the next generation GPUs. You can Fingers crossed. That the 4090 will cost as much as three PS5 stapled together. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So uh, thanks so much for joining us. You can see us next week, Thursday at 3 p.m. As always, you can read Jared's review of the RX 6600 on our site. Uh, we kind of had an impromptu Windows 11 discussion here as well. And you can also read our Windows 11 hands-on and guides over on our site. Our friends, Abram Pilch and Andrew Friedman, have written those. Uh, I'm going to prepare the outro video, and I will see you again next week. Thanks so much, everyone. Yeah. Bye.